This is Radio Stockdale. Welcome to Radio Stockdale. I'm your host, Michael Sears, at the Stockdale Center for Ethical Leadership. Dr. Clementine Fujimori is currently the Director of Area Studies at Navy. Since 1993, she's worked as a cultural anthropologist and professor at the Naval Academy and has published widely on the subject of marginalized youth groups in Russia and military culture in the U.S. and Germany. Her latest book with co-author Dr. Joe Thomas is Developing Cross-Cultural Competence for Leaders. It takes us from ideational to real, asking future leaders to step out of their comfort zone and learn to navigate cultural differences. Welcome, Dr. Clementine Fujimura. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really honored. So you've been here before, and thank you for that. We've talked about cross-cultural competence, ageism, and now empathy and reflexivity. There are a lot of ways to describe empathy. What's your definition? So just for as a definition, um, to me, empathy is an ability to take the perspective of and also feel the emotions of another person. And by that, I mean viscerally feeling another person's emotions. What's important about empathy is that it falls into the category of, about, of both skill and aptitude. That is, it is something that you might have a natural ability for, but it's also something that you can learn and develop. Um, empathy is a result of you imagining how other people feel in a given unique situation and to recognize their unique perspectives. Um, and it relies on an ability to participate in another person's activity and to practice perspective taking. So um, the assumption of empathy is actually that all humans are different, that we, while we might not have the same experiences, we need to work to understand them and to get into their, into their mind. So what is the link between mindfulness and empathy? Well, let's start by what is mindful. Um, mindful and mindfulness is this practice, and in fact, it's, I would say, an art of scrutinizing one's own beliefs, one's own values and judgments in any interaction, um, and to consider how these might influence ensuing interactions in that context. So... I would say that in order to have empathy, you need mindfulness. Mindfulness enables empathy because we consider how other people think and feel, their intentions, their attitudes. So both mindfulness and empathy require that a person be fully present and non-judgmental. Now, does mindfulness increase empathy? So I would say without mindfulness, Empathy is truly lacking. Um, mindfulness not only increases, but more importantly, as I said, it enables, it, it makes it happen. Um, without mindfulness, I would say developing empathy wouldn't be as effective. So what do you have if you don't have mindfulness as part of your empathetic reaction in a sense? Is it you just assuming what other people want? Well, I think you're just making it up as it goes, but you're not feeling, you're not getting into their mind, right? So mindfulness requires that you yourself um, have an awareness and an ability to 
think beyond your boundaries um, to what's going on in the environment, what they might historically, what these people that you're interacting with might have experienced, and to really try and contextualize what is going on. It's, it's really, it's a practice. And as I said, I think it's an art. And it requires this thing called reflexivity. Um, and I'd like to make a distinction here between reflective behavior and reflexivity. So to me, a reflective thinker will be someone who analyzes what has happened. But reflexivity, that is a reflexive thinker, will self-assess and react to the circumstances as they are happening. And indeed, that is also a combination then of mind, mindfulness and and self-reflection, right? So it kind of is a combination, this idea of self-reflexivity. Um, so the concept of reflexivity has become to mean, has come to mean like in the social sciences in particular, that people think about what, under what conditions they are interacting, with whom, and what impact it will have on the future interactions. So you talk about the interesting connection between those two words. And you also talk about understanding one's effect on the surrounding terrain in order to be in, in that terrain. What do you mean by that? So by being in the terrain or looking at the surrounding human terrain. So here's an example. Have you ever entered a room and noticed how the conversation shifts the minute you come in? And I often give this in my classes as an example, that students will be talking and about their daily lives and what's going on and maybe something they want me to hear or not. But I walk in and immediately as the professor, I affect how students interact. And so being aware of how your presence affects the people with whom you are talking is extremely important. And that requires that you know what it means to be in. I know as a professor, I'm not in. I'm the professor. Um, my students who are talking with each other are in. But to know what their values are, to know what, they're, what they might be talking about, to imagine that, and to have empathy for that, um, that is what it means to be in. And so without understanding the baseline values of a group, the motivations and beliefs, your effect on the human terrain, as we might call it, um, will be one of distrust. And people immediately pick up when someone doesn't get it um, and will not trust that person. Um, so in fact, your communication with them will be ineffectual. So being mindful of the possibility that our perspective at any given mo moment is out of place or not in allows for readjustment and taking time to breathe, reflect, and recenter. So you said you walk into a room and all of a sudden the conversation changes. But how can you make that in your mind not be about you? The conversation changed because of you, but the conversation changed because the dynamic you interject into that room, you need to understand and what the conversation's about. That's a really good question. I think, again, this is where this whole ability to see things from somebody else's perspective is really an art and it takes work and it's a skill that you develop. But I think preparation is perhaps one of the most fundamental things you can do. Knowing who your audience is, knowing the people with whom you are interacting, finding out a little bit about their past, learning about their culture, learning what, you know, what 
makes them get out of bed in the morning, what makes them laugh, what makes them cry. Those are the things that if you have an idea, even an inkling as to what these might be, will allow you to walk into a room and immediately connect because you know where they're coming from. And again, it's not just understanding that as in a sympathetic person, but more empathetically. That is also knowing what they feel, being aware of the situation, also reading the human terrain. What are, what's the body language in the room? Um, are they huddled in a corner whispering or do they, do they look up in shock when you walk in? You know, how do you gauge the responses? And then how do you work with that by connecting by, by bringing up basic values and things that you can all agree on or advert, at the very least show that you know and understand. I think that would be a really good way to make it about them and not you. So, so when you enter this room or even any new community, it's really important to understand or have learned or at least studied a little bit how the people organize time and space. So because people depending on the context, will value time and space differently perhaps than you do. And, but these are significant tools for interactions and negotiations. So we need to have this mutual understanding of what it is, how they organize their time. How do they organize their day? How, how does time figure in? So do, is this something that you need to manage? Do they manage it? Is it something that, is, is it more important to meet the schedule um, to be on time, or is it perhaps more important to develop relationships? So note that depending on, you might have heard this, depending on where people are from, they might value sitting down and having some tea, discussing other things just to get to know you before you can even begin to think of making decisions and bargaining, negotiating, that is, doing business. Um, this was really first discussed by a famous anthropologist, Edward Hall, um, and he labeled the contrasting conceptualizations as monochronic, sequential, so like at the United States and many Northern European countries, and polychronic, um, as he saw in other countries, for example, South America. Um, and so often you see time associated with the importance of schedules in more more like in our country, in the United States, whereas the latter is focused more on people. He talks about the preoccupation with people point to a recognition that in these cultures, people are important um, and should be involved and attended to. Um, so, so again, developing relations, um, understanding family uh, relationships, how people, how people connect is more important than getting to business. And it, when you talk about space, um, I, I like to give the example again of a classroom. When you walk into a space, how, do, how are the chairs organized? How are the desks organized? You immediately know what the culture is. Are there people, are there rows that are facing to the front? Well, then you know this is going to be a hierarchical classroom where the professor is in charge and the students are focused on the professor. Or are we sitting around a table? where we are going to collaborate, where everybody's opinion counts. So how people organize space um, is indicative of how people make things happen. So these are really important points as you go anywhere in the world. How is there space organ? Is there a town center where people communicate together and come together and, and have you know, coffee or festivals? Or is it more of a grid-like development? Um, so, so these are all important factors when you try to figure out 
how you're going to interact and be effective in communicating. So getting down to business is not necessarily jumping right into the agenda, so to speak, but it might be about understanding the room, understanding the people that are there, understanding the context of why you're there and how those people are thinking about this meeting. Absolutely. And it doesn't mean that they don't value time. You know, there's going to be sunset and sunrise. It's just prioritizing what's first, what's most important first. What do you mean by focusing on time and space and why is that important? So I would say that right after this interview, I hope that everyone who's listening is going to be committed to learning about other people's perspectives and to be in the moment. Um, Take time to reflect on that moment. Ask for clarification if you don't understand that something. And here's something that people might not think about unless you're a runner, maybe. But remember to breathe. I think breathing is extremely important, that you can breathe through an interaction, that you can pause and reflect, take note of how you feel. Try to take the perspective of the other emotionally. See if you can feel the pain that someone's feeling or their happiness and joy. And then respond respectfully and with sensitivity, knowing that sometimes the power of silence may mean more than the words. So I've had a few years to develop at least a consciousness of what I need to do to actually get to the point of a meeting, to get to that agenda. And I understand now that it's not necessarily getting to that first step. It's actually understanding where I am, who am I talking to? What would you suggest midshipmen do to learn how to get there? I would start with themselves, yourself. I think being aware of your own personal beliefs and convictions is the first step in mindful, empathetic practice. Um, And then once we understand what judgments we might hold, we can imagine what other people think um, and be more open-minded, have cultural curiosity, and then adapt to unfamiliar contexts. So managing your own emotional energy is really important. When a situation is tense, it's easy not to listen to others and to be consumed by one's own emotions. But in that that moment, see if you can take a breath, literally take a physical step backwards, and then think about what you're feeling and how that's affecting the encounter. Mindfulness really requires that not only are we non-judgmental of others, but that we also are non-judgmental of ourselves. I think we need to not be so critical of ourselves, but acknowledge what we're feeling. Say, hmm, this is what's going on in me right now. How can I make it more helpful in my encounter with this other person? Dr. Clementine Fujimura, thanks for joining us on Radio Stockdale. Thank you so much for having me. You've been listening to Radio Stockdale, a series of podcasts produced by the Stockdale Center for Ethical Leadership at the United States Naval Academy. You can hear more podcasts at stockdalecenter.com slash podcasts.